1: Hi guys and welcome back to your weekly Stoke City podcast every step along the way. It's been a very busy week on the result front. We've had some wonder goals, uh, unfortunately more losses and yet more injuries. So we've got lots to cover this week including the news and transfers from around the club as well as looking forward to Lake Orient in the Cup this weekend. Firstly, uh, Dan, how are you mate? All good? Welcome back to the pod.
0: Yeah, I'm all well, good. Thank you, mate. I
1: hope you're doing well yourself. Yeah, no, really good. Thank you, mate. Um, very, very manic week at work, to be quite honest with you. But uh, yeah, pretty mad. Uh, and uh, I just wanted to um, make everyone aware that forget Stoke making signings. The Every Step Along The Way podcast has made its own signing. So he stood in front of the booth and with his scarf aloft, fresh, putting pen to paper on a brand new contract. Uh, is very much uh, someone you've heard before. He was on our Christmas podcast, and he's signed a special and new lucrative deal. Andy, welcome to your permanent home, mate. How does it feel?
2: Feels all right. Better than being on loan for the first few games I did, but it's nice being here.
1: <laughs> well, it's okay. Like I said, it's a lucrative deal. You know, two packs of oatcakes every year. You oh, can't mate. really ask for much more than that.
2: Nah, you can't well, ask. Dan for, gets that mate, cheesy oatcakes.
1: I'm not, well, no, hey, hey, I didn't think you would have cheese on him. I offered you open. I'll bring for a cheese. <laughs> Look at this. He's trying to renew his, his terms are already <laughs> done. Um, <laughs> anyway, mate, welcome very much. Really good to have you. You know, we, we enjoyed having you on the Christmas pod, and me and Dan both thought that you know it's it's good to get a new voice on here, and uh, instead of everyone having to listen to us every day, to be quite frank. So, um, yeah, very much uh, welcome to the pod. Anyway, so like I said, we've got a hell of a lot to go through, but before we kind of get into the the whole swing of things. Um, me and Dan, or should I say Dan, really has been working his absolute backside off uh, on a little mini kind of project or little thing we wanted to do. Um, so we've managed to secure a, a one-to-one kind of Q and A with our Stoke City legend Carl Dickinson um, and the Hanley Town chairman uh, Ron as well. So um, we've managed to get, uh, as I say, some time in this weekend. Me and Dan to have a quick chat with them Obviously, we can kind of reminisce on some of the old stories because I know Ron's a big Stokey and um, obviously everyone knows Dicko, of course. So, uh, I mean, to be fair, I think I think Dicko's been around for a while anyway these days, obviously very much a, a local boy but um i think anyone who's kind of followed us since we got promoted or before will all know him very very well he loves to have a bit of a screech a bit like wilco on the uh, on the actual uh, mic anyway but um you know if anybody wants to kind of get involved you know this is all about you we don't do these things unless it's really for for the listeners to be honest with you so um if you want to get involved if you've got any questions for for dicker or or ron um well, that can be about pretty much anything as long as it's clean um so, if you want to get involved, uh, two ways you can do that: you can tweet us at every step along. Use the hashtags AskDicko or #AskRon. Uh, easiest way for us to kind of keep track of those. Or you can email us at at gmail.com with your questions. So, obviously, just keep them clean, keep them uh, calm. And again, it can be about Stoke, Hanley, Town, whatever you want it to be. So, um, if you miss any of that, I'll kind of give you a refresher toward the end. So, um, yeah, as I say, everything's uh, really positive. Um, guys, I think the best place to kind of kick off really is uh, going to be Preston. I'm not even going to go back to Derby. I don't think any of us could really stand reviewing two awful games. So um, let's kick off. Uh, Andy, uh, what's your particular thoughts on the Preston game, mate? Because obviously all three of us were together. And uh, I just want to get your, your opinion on, now you've reflected, uh, what were your thoughts on the actual game and performances, et cetera?
2: I've said it before and I'll say it again, we could not hold a lead for, it was about 15 minutes until they scored their equaliser, to be fair, absolutely brilliant volley but it's similar to how we had the end of last season, we're having a lot of shots but they're not going on target and one of the two shots which were on target was Ben Wilmot's wonder strike which we know, I think everyone was a bit shocked when it went in. (laughs)
1: Yeah, to be fair, I bet Wilmot himself was, was a bit shocked. But all three of us, and obviously I say three, there was my little boy as well, but we, we were all literally right behind that. We could not have been sit, sitting really in a better place, could we? Um, and yeah, when it was left, it reminded me a bit of the uh, the Crouch goal where it's like, is, is it going in? It's go, it's going in. And it was like slow motion. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was a, it was a cracking goal, wasn't it?
2: It was. Cracking, especially for a defender to do like you might expect an attacking midfielder or a striker to do that at the odd time, but a centre back who's coming at right back, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect I think the last one I saw similar was Vincent Company when he did it for Man City against Leicester last day of the season, uh, a couple of seasons back in his last game. But nah, you wouldn't you wouldn't think it was going in um from when he first shot it at least.
1: No, no, absolutely not. And and I think Dan as well, um I mean, I saw a few comments that you were getting on Twitter during the week. And to be honest with you, and I know I'm going to say this, but I agree with what you were saying. And I think we all had the same opinion that first half, we weren't actually all that bad, were we? I mean, we didn't really have a a cutting edge or, to be fair, any real attempts on target to to really speak of. But I thought we kind of controlled that first half, especially.
0: Yeah, I mean, we even said to each other, didn't we, at half time, well, that's a lot better than, than Derby was. And although that's a very low bar to be to be going up against, the fact that you know we, we we'd knocked it around well, we'd controlled the game, that's the thing. We were the ones who had the majority of the possession, the majority of the territory. It was being played a lot in Preston's half, and we were also we'd also changed up how we were playing. we'd we ditched the the three center halves. yeah you know, we'd gone for a more of a four three three formation, and we were trying to get in inch was trying to put balls in. Um, and obviously, like, the fullbacks were Wilmot was, uh, obviously Fox, you know, trying to put a couple of balls. Then Campbell maybe was trying to cut inside himself and have a couple of shots. So we were, we'd altered how we played, and to us, it seemed to me that, you know, that we it, it would it was working in a way. You know, we the, the, we didn't look like we were going to be conceding. It didn't we didn't look no. like we were second best in that game. We we were the ones, if anyone was going to take the lead. And yeah, the final ball, the final third, it wasn't really working out. But then again, you know, we had that chance off that corner. If Stephen Fletcher, it's that ball anywhere else, we're straight at the defender, then that's a goal. But I mean, you know, that that guy's blocked one on the line and then gone and scored the win in second half. And he's had a new contract today. So he's obviously, he's, uh, those race three. They say things come in threes. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and um unfortunately I think, think three things come in threes for us in terms of losses and all that business, don't it? So let's hope that that's not the case. But you yeah, you, know, you mentioned Ince, mate. Um and I mean we, we said to each other, you know, it he seemed like a bit of again, a man possessed really, a man on a bit of a mission. And I thought again, he again he actually played really well. He he did the typical ince thing fading away in the second half, but I mean, to be quite frank, we, could all, we can say that about a lot of them, Um, but I mean, I thought Ince was was solid first half, he tried to get the ball in, yes, not every single cross was great, but a number of them crosses were, were on the money, they needed a defender to clear them, so I definitely don't think you know we can have any complaints about him, and I think had Wilmot not scored that goal, I think, I mean, we'll, we'll go into polls, but I think um Ince would have been right up there for Man of the Match, so um yeah, uh, I think I think time will tell. But, I mean, what was your... Did you think anyone really bonded? I mean, I thought Joe Allen didn't have his best game. And we we bring him up a lot on the pod. But it's not a Joe Allen out club or any nonsense like that. But he didn't have a good game, did he? I think you said that to me, Dan.
0: Yeah, I think uh, we sort of said, did we, that there's good Joe Allen. And when he's good, he can be very, very good. You know, thinking like um, the West Brom game, for example... And uh, Middlesbrough. I think he had a good game against Middlesbrough in T- in December. Um, and when he's when, say, when he's on song, he can still be a very good player, especially at this level. Um but also when he's bad, Joe Allen, he can be very bad. And I think we we turned to each other, didn't we, in about an hour in, and said, you know, this is this is bad Joe Allen today. Um I think if you're looking at who bombed, to be honest, I think he's probably the second game in a row he did it. But Sam Clucas. To me was mm-hmm. and I think he's just not having a good time of it at the minute does he I mean he obviously he slipped for Derby's goal and I think that just rounded off he slipped for the second Derby goal didn't he uh, the other day and I yeah. think that that itself just rounded off what was possibly one of the worst Stoke performances I've ever seen he just really couldn't get into that game he was sloppy the ball yeah you know, he struggled to find a Stoke player he was just off the pace with everything um and then obviously he's he's not had a great game by any stretch. Um again, I think even when we said, didn't we, that you know, we we, we were playing better at, at half time, you know, we said the first half was better. It was with the caveat that the midfield is still not playing well. You know, despite the midfield not playing well, we were doing all right. Um and obviously Lucas, yeah, he's had another sort of a stinker on Monday. And obviously it was him who lost his man for the winning goal. So that's sort of two, <laughs> two, two uh, defeats in, in three days that have, have sort of been uh, directed towards himself, which, you know, he's, he's an experienced player. I'm sure he'll pick himself up and, you know, dust himself down and come back. But, yeah, we could do with that, could do with him coming back a bit sooner rather than later at the minute because we've not really got any, any other options to take him out the side.
1: Yeah, I think I, I think you've just hit the nail on the head. I was about to say we've got we've got no one to drop, and I think in normal circumstances you would rotate, wouldn't you? You bring somebody else in. But like you said, again, sign of the, the kind of where we are as a as a club right now is we just don't have don't have the options, um, which is crazy when you looked at the start of the season and what we had in midfield. We thought we'd had far too many options. So thank God we didn't let anyone else go. Um, but yeah, so I thought overall it was it was a bit of a an eh performance, definitely better than Derby, but still not still not good enough. And you're right, mate, you mentioned the very, at the very beginning that I think, you know, again, you mentioned this, Andy, about, you know, Preston. Preston didn't look um, up to anything. I mean, had we not considered an absolute shocking goal at the, on the corner? And then you mentioned again uh, about the, you know, the, the goal, the first goal, might to have been a good volley. <laughs> yeah, it was a good volley, but three players were trying to mark the front post man, which has left him free at the back post. Fox should not have been sucked in um, to those, we've got two players on, it. Mean, it wasn't needed. So, for me, that was poor defending by Fox. and you know, We should have been protecting uh, the defence a lot. Well, so the defence should have been uh, really kind of protecting that uh, much more. So, I just think, again, whether it's confidence, whether it's quality, whether it's a bit of both, I genuinely aren't sure. But, um, it's certainly it's painful to watch right now. Um, my, my little man still wants to go back, believe it or not. So I don't know what's wrong with him, because uh, even I'm contemplating not going against Leighton Orient to be honest. But um, yeah, I've not quite put him off yet, but give me time. So, uh, Man of the Match uh, polls for for that particular one. So, your options, uh, I must admit, Dan, I thought you chose this a lot better this week, mate. Uh, Ince, Wilmot, and Mario were the three options, um, and obviously other, um, as always, but we didn't really get any bites on on the other ones. So, uh, in third place was Mario with 5%. Um, yeah, I, I, I'd probably say that. It wasn't great, but wasn't awful. Uh, second place was Ince with 36%. Um, and then first place was Wilmot with uh, 55%. Do you think that was a fair assessment, Andy? I mean, would you disagree? Would you put in above Wilmot, maybe? or
2: No, I'd agree that Wilmot deserves it. Obviously, the goal that he scored probably helped how much percentage he did get. But considering he's not a right back, he's more of a right-sided centre-back, he had a lot more ground to cover. And I think we found out that he's actually quicker than what we first thought from the start of the season. I thought his distribution was all right. Um, yeah, there's not really too much. No, none of them really stood out other than Wilmot and Ints. And to be fair, I think Ints should have had a bit more percentage. Those two on that right-hand side played very well together.
1: Yeah, and I think I think the formation change, and, and again, Daniel, I think you alluded to this with Campbell earlier, but I thought the formation change worked. Um Campbell coming cutting in, I think just it just absolutely makes defenders shit themselves. It really does. Um, you know, you can just see them backing off and backing off, not knowing what it's gonna do. So I mean, I personally would like us to revert back to four three three uh for the rest of this season. Uh, I think. I mean, again, we'll come on to January signings. I don't think much is gonna come through the door to change that. So um yeah i'd like us to see us roll this out over the next uh at least the next several games just to try and give it a chance because for me we discussed this last week three five two or five two however you want to look at it um is it's kind of gone off the boil it's not kind of working right now so yeah happy with the formation um in terms of uh, anything about that game any other call outs you both want to make or are we happy that we've depressed enough and we're happy to move on
0: yeah, I think I'd just like to sort of back up what you're saying there. I mean, the formation itself, I think what, what if, right, we we're playing five at the back, really, three centre halves, three midfielders, two strikers, start of the season. Now, what's happened was we had a goalkeeper who was comfortable on the ball. We had Harry Suter, Ben Wilmot, two out of three centre halves who were really comfortable on the ball. We had Romain Sawyers, just in front of the defence, really comfortable on the ball. And then we've got Jordan Thompson, Mario Vranchich, Nick Powell. You know, any of them in front of him, comfortable on the ball. What's happened is that apart from Vranchich, the rest of them, and Vrancic can't do 90 minutes week in, week out, 23 times a week. We've we've come to accept that now. The rest of that side, all of them have been decimated. Ben Wilmot's the only one playing... Regularly, but he's being moved around right side of defense, left side of defense. He's now at right back. You know, he we, we can't play how we were at the start of the season because the players who we're bringing in for the players who are injured but unavailable are completely different to look the, to them. You know, yeah, Adam Davies is a good goalkeeper, he's a, he's maybe he's a better shot stopper than Joe Bursig. But he's nowhere near as good with his feet. He's nowhere near as comfortable with his feet, and that's where the attacks start. That's why the defense are happy to give the ball back uh, to to Bursic, and they know that if they find threats, he can find them. And they haven't got the same. There isn't that same click with Adam Davison goal. Harry Souter, again, he's somebody who's comfortable take carrying the ball forward. He's comfortable receiving the ball under pressure. Danny Bart is a completely different defender. He ain't that player. Jo yeah, well, Allen Sam Clucas, they, are, they aren't. They're good midfielders and have been good midfielders in the day. They're, they I wouldn't say they were really comfortable on the ball or really confident. So we've lost everything. We've lost the calmness and, and everything on the ball. So we can't play that way. Like you say, what we need to do, go for either four, four, two, four, three, three, and go, we've just got to be more direct. We've just got to use wing, you know, get the ball out the defense. Get the ball forward and play in the final third, and, and just accept that that's the way we've got to do because that's the personnel that we've got available now. And you know, if that means that Tom Ince is going to play more games, then fair enough. And if we're going to use him, just tell him you've got to whip balls in the you've got to get balls in the box. In and Campbell or Brown Fletcher, you've just got to be alive. Get your head on. Get your toe on on balls that are going to come fizzing across the six yard box. And that, if that's how we got to play, that that's going to be the our best chance of winning matches between now and May. My opinion.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, mate. Uh, yeah, I can't disagree with with any of that. To be honest with you, I think, yeah, we, we just haven't got the players to do what we need to do. We arguably haven't got the players to play four four two either. Uh, it's just it's one of those scenarios. We'll come back to transfers in a minute because. Um, yeah, we we could we could go on on that front, but no, I think that's a fair uh, kind of overview of the Preston game. Like I said, let's not cover off Derby because I think we we just we just can't cope. So uh, let's just accept it that we've been pretty dreadful. So uh, let's go on to uh, this week's Stoke City news anyway. Okay, then. So uh, first uh, port of business. Um i think emotions obviously have been running high i mean we've discussed you know the situation we find ourselves in at the minute and uh, i mean must admit for the first time i've actually seen the kind of facebook and twitter and stuff go off on one that i've not seen before i think there was previous murmurings about o'neill um and you know some saying he should leave some saying no give him more time and uh it it was very few and far between but i'd say i've definitely seen a significant increase um, over the last few days, and um, as anyone who listens to the show knows, we like to put a number of polls out for various different things. Um, so I did a poll in terms of uh, three different options, basically. So it was either um, O'Neill in, O'Neill out, or he needs more time. So um, um, this is probably the closest I've ever seen Twitter and Facebook together. So uh, the uh, the Twitter ins were forty four percent, so forty four want him to stay. Nineteen percent want him out and 37% think he needs more time. Facebook is very similar. Um, So Facebook had uh, 30% in uh, 18% out and more time 39%. So if you look at the outs, there's only 1% in it, and there's only 2% in the more times. But the overriding comment on that is that he needs more time. So interesting that, you know, I think there's still 20% if you average it out for out is quite, you know, concerning in a way, but um, still, the most most people understand. I think that we're in a, a situation around injuries, etc. Now, um, it wasn't like this is just over fifty people; over six hundred people have actually voted on that across the two platforms. So, um, very interesting to see. But um, Dan, starting with you, mate, where are you on the whole O'Neill in, out, shake it all about?
0: Uh, well, he can shake himself nowhere, and he's because he's but <laughs> He's a. Uh, am 100% Michael O'Neill in I, it, I'm just really struggling I, I, I do understand that there's emotions can run high and we haven't been playing well but I think you've, you've just got to look at it a bit deeper than just on the surface of oh well we're not playing well, oh, well we've lost games there are many reasons why and people say I know people are saying like oh these are his players he's he's not shopping He's not shopping for players. He can't afford top-end championship players, can he? We aren't going for the same players as Bournemouth, are, as West Brom, or as Fulham. Are. You know, even there are many clubs who are probably at the minute can afford better than we have. And I mean, people are saying like, "Oh, well, we spent money on that. he spent money on on Surridge and on Brown." But the thing is, we've had to we've had to sell Nathan Collins. To pay about 18 players payoffs last summer. And it's funny because at the time, everybody says, What well, an amazing job they've done this summer, recruitment wise, to get rid of all these players, you know, and how difficult it has been. But that soon gets forgotten <laughs> after a few defeats. All of a sudden, oh, well, yeah, um, why haven't you signed this player? Or, or you know, why, why did you sign Morgan Fox? We don't rate him. Oh, Oakley Booth—he isn't playing. He was an ideal signing. It's like he's had his hands tied since he walked through the door. He's still managing other people's mess, and it's—you can't really judge him until that's all been sorted out, and that's going to take, you know, at least another twelve months, eighteen months, before we can fully, you know, he can go out and recruit the players that he wants, or recruit players to the same level as, say, a Bournemouth are doing. Yeah, we he's been dealt, with the thing as well, Like the wage bill, how much of the wages the last couple of seasons have been given, how much of the wage bill has been given to players who aren't even at the club?
1: Oh, scary. Probably hundreds of thousands a week.
0: Yeah, I, I reckon more than half the wage bill of the club has probably been given to players who aren't even here. So although he's got, although they might have the fifth-eyes wage bill in the, in the division or whatever, how much of that is actually available to the manager to use? Not a
1: lot, no, no, absolutely. Babe. And I mean, it, it shows that we're really on a tightrope because I think it, it's one of them. Obviously, we're talking about Souter. Um, I mean, again, we'll come back to transfers in a minute, but we if we want to bring Souter into this now. Um, if we wanted that deal done, let's face it, we can offer more than the, than the Scottish teams can, so a, a, a salary isn't a problem. Um, we could have had that deal tied, signed up ages ago. But quite clearly, I mean, for me, who knows? Maybe the whole Ostergaard going out scenario um, is the only way that we can bring Suter in because it's that tight. It's literally one wage in, one wage out. Uh, maybe maybe it is that tight. So, I mean, how many Stoke fans have you said, yeah, we've let Leo Ostergaard go, but we're going to bring in John Suter? How many would say no to that right now? I don't think anyone would, personally. So... Well, no,
0: I mean, I, I, I don't... Even if it's not Suter, I think... You know, the, the manager's obviously looking at it, and like you say, he's got to wheel and deal. If he's got to get one out to get one in, people are complaining about Ostergaard, he's not been playing, he's not... But the thing is, Wilmot's best position is on the right-hand side of the defence, whether that's the right-hand side, of the right centre-back, the uh, right of a three, and he's been playing right-back last weekend. He's definitely better and much more confident, and we get the best out of him playing him on the right. But obviously Leo Ostergaard is the same. He's a right-footed defender who plays a lot better on the right. He's not, not anywhere near as comfortable on the left. So at the minute, that's why James Chester is, because James Chester is, in the manager's eyes, the most comf- confident and maybe competent left-sided defender, again, in his eyes. So what the, what manager, do you might, think? What the manager might be doing here, in my eyes, is he's, he's saying to Leo Ostergaard, you know, I've got a Ben Wilmot, but I haven't got a left sided version. So you can't do that job. So you go back to Brighton, they can get you some games somewhere else. I'll then use your wages, the funds there, to get myself a left sided defender. And then he's got more balance, then, and he? he's got much more um, like, so cohesion in the back line and much more comfortable but players.
1: At the same time, though, Dan, would you not say, well, why hasn't he kind of half foreseen some of this? Why hasn't he gone and got someone who could maybe play on the right and the left so he's got a bit more cover? Uh, I mean, I'm not saying you're wrong at all. I'm just trying to play devil's advocate for anyone who might be sitting there thinking, well, he should have should have gone and got himself a left side if he realised he was short on left-sided defenders. I mean, for me, how he was bombed... We, we, we last saw him, I think, actually, at Blackpool when we went. Um, I don't don't really remember him making a squad. So for me to go from all of a sudden being in the squad to being completely bombed out... That was strange. It, even if he can't play comfortably on the on that side that he needs to play, surely he's a better option than a James Chester on the bench at that point, or someone else. Wherever, take your pick.
0: You'd like to think so. I think maybe the only thing with James Chester was in in again, the commerce. In the manager's <laughs> no. In the manager's eyes, um, he's more versatile than the other. He can play left. He can play right. He can play in the middle. Again, he mm-hmm. only needs one centre back. Then for all three, when he's been playing three at the back. <laughs> well, obviously, okay. I'm, not saying, I'm not saying I generally agree with that, but I think that's that's where the manager's thinking comes from. Um, say we just, Fair
1: enough.
0: <laughs> I think we've been. Yeah, Fox, no. Fox is probably. Sorry, yeah, I think Fox, as a natural left-footer, showed that you know there is. Um, Positives to having somebody more natural in that position, but whether he's good enough, he's probably the best option we've got right now. I'd much prefer Morgan Fox there than James Chester. Um, but yeah. but I can say whether he's would, for example, would Morgan Fox get into any other top six side? You know, no, way. or that's and that's what you're looking at. And you know, at the minute, would James Chester, would Adam Davis, would Danny Bart? You know, would Tommy Smith? Would the current Joe Allen? Would the current Sam Lucas? You know, nobody's been coming in for Tommy in the last two years, so you have got to imagine he wouldn't go into a top top six championship side. So, you know, he's working with players who aren't at that level. Then you, that's the the top and bottom of it.
1: Yeah, fair enough. And and Andy, what what's your thoughts on the whole malarkey, mate? I mean, I'm assuming you're an O'Neill in from conversations we've had, mate.
2: Yeah, I'm an O'Neill, and I did comment on the post that you put and You saw that I said, like, as much as people want to know, those 20% that you've averaged it, if you brought in any manager in, he would have the same exact problems Michael O'Neill does now with injuries and the way that transfers are going. Obviously, we, like you've said, you don't have as much as the big six supposedly get to spend, and that's, like we've said, Ostergaard's probably gone back to Brighton and now, obviously, he's moved on to another club, which we'll talk about later. But is it going to be one player out for one player in, like Dan touched on? it's You can't really think of anyone else to bring in that won't have the same issues as Michael O'Neill does at the moment.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you guys, I was going to, I was going to bring up your comments on, on uh, that you made, actually. But I think John Oldfield makes a... Um, a comment here as well. So it says um, from from now, uh, O'Neill has got until next season for him, uh, but there's got to be an improvement on where the club's going. And it's, it's something I was going to bring up later, but I think it's back off the, the kind of comment really there. Um, I'm hoping I'm, I'm kind of wrong in, in some ways, but I think seven or eight of them players that played against Preston are out of contract uh, this summer. Uh, I'm pretty sure I remember reading that uh, the other day. So I'm hoping I'm wrong, but it's starting to feel a little bit like the fans, um, in terms of you know the, the the atmosphere and how many people are turning up and, and bits like that. It's starting to feel a little bit like, well, OK, we've got seven or eight people who are going to be out of contract. It's probably going to clear up a lot of wages um, next season. We've got players injured. And it makes me think if you offered O'Neill now, those seven players off that wage bill, the injuries to come back ready for next season, I wonder if he'd take it and just kind of do it, a start again. Um, and maybe this was always the plan, actually, because only when he came in, it didn't say that, you know, next season we're going to be going for promotion. He was like, we, we need to get stability. We need to get, you know, the team built again. And maybe the early season kind of optimism and stuff like that has meant that we're maybe a bit ahead of ourselves. Um, it's easy to get swept up, isn't it? Um, so maybe there's a big element of that, don't you think?
0: Well, when he, when he came back in, we were more likely to be looking for a promotion to, from League One than we were promotion from the Championship because that's where we were heading. And he. Yeah. And you know, he, obviously he turned that around there, and people saying, well, that's a long time ago. And yeah, fair enough. But you, people are saying you've got, like John Oldfield's comment there about, you know, there's got to be improvements and there's got to be like a, more of a direction of the club. We did have a direction. At the start of the season, there was, you know, there was a young side and how many times did we sit here and say, in April and May, they'll be our better side than they are in August and September because they're in such a young side. They're going to learn together. They're going to make mistakes, but, you know, the more they play, the better they'll be. You know, and how many players we had, Bercy, Time, and uh, Wilmot, Ostergaard, you know, all young play- You know, young players in and around the side. You know, Jacob Brown's still a young player and, it's sort of like, yeah, we've lost all those. We've lost them players. And I saw uh, Pete Smith in the Sentinel put something this week that earlier on in the season we had our youngest side out for nearly twenty years, and then the side that played against Preston the average age was twenty nine. And it's like that's the thing we've that young direction that he was going in. We we've lost those players. We've lost the players that he's he's got a vision, and he's starting putting the building blocks in place. But he's all, he hasn't got a full squad to play that way yet, because we couldn't do that because we were we were that we had to get rid of that many players last summer. There was only so much we could do the other way, bringing people in. And obviously, you also we've got to wait for these seven eight players this summer. Like you say, we're out of contract. And there's probably more than that who weren't playing the weekend, I think. Is there something like anybody over 24 coming to the start of the season, they were all out of contract at the end of the season. Now there's going to be some that we're going to keep. I know we've got an option on an extra year for Nick Powell, which I should hope is going to be exercised. Um, but it's again, you are got to look there's a vision there. We've got a starting 11 that you got together and it was working the trouble is, the people who we are bringing in when those players are unavailable aren't of the same style, they aren't of the same standard to play the way he wants to play. Give him another couple of, you know, and more freedom in the transfer window, get more of these people off the books where he can bring more of his players in and I'm sure we'll end up with a 22-25 man squad of players who want to play, who can play the Michael O'Neill way that he's trying to get us to set up and then, when we do have these injuries, it's, it's, it's not such a problem because we aren't replacing Harry Suter with Danny Bart. No problem with Danny Bart as a defender, but he's not the same style of player. We'll be bringing in a Harry Suter mark two. Might not be as good, but he'll play the same way and it won't affect the side as much. Hopefully then, we can keep being as fluid as we, as we want to be and as he wants us to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And um, I mean, Andy, I'll, I'll give you the, the final word on this um, in a second before we move on. But I thought there's, there's a couple of comments and i will keen to get your thoughts on, on some of these. So uh, so Joshua Henderson, I honestly think he doesn't know what he's doing and also doesn't know our best team is and he hasn't got a plan B. Like, why is he playing three at the back? The players are not used to that formation and other teams are hurting us because they know we're not used to that type of playing style. Um, Derek's kind of the opposite direction. He's kind of gone, uh, you know, two windows. Let's see who goes and who comes in and then see how he does next season. Uh, Clive Walker, it's hard to blame O'Neill for Stoke City's woes from the past. And it's certain, uh, the present problems are not O'Neill's alone. Um, another couple more as well. Uh, Clifford, Charles said that clear outs still needed of players just playing for wages. Um, And then again, this seems to be another comment. Another Josh of Josh Holiday. Uh, Let's see how he does in the transfer window. We can't blame him for the losses. It's the players. They don't seem to care about the team. Some of them put in a shift, but a lot couldn't care. O'Neill needs to get rid and bring in new people that want to be here and have a hunger to compete. So a few kind of common queries there, mate. But um, yeah, what do you think of some of those comments?
2: No matter what goes on at a football club, if things start going bad, people go straight for the manager. But look at Some of the top sides who are in the Premier League at the moment who, for example, Arsenal, that's one team who obviously we call as rivals, but we're not. Mikel Arteta at the start of the season had a shocking start to the season. People wanted him out straight away. Things turned good and they wanted him. But as soon as they lost another game, they want him out. You can't just go for the manager when the players aren't putting in (coughs) the shifts, as we hear a bottle fall down, (laughs) Uh, as as the players... Put in the shifts that they need to we've got a lot of injury troubles as i'd put on if we had the same squad as we did at the start of the season winning the amount of games we were i guarantee more than half of the people who say michael o'neill I would not be saying it we're in a situation where i think even michael o'neill's a bit shocked about it and going on about the formation he's playing three five two or five three two however you want to see it Managers come into a club with a system that they have used before in the past and a system they believe will work for the club. If you brought in a different manager, they'd change up the system yet again and it would all probably start falling down. Yeah, like, same. thing would happen.
1: Ch- you know, chain of players, same people who from the previous manager don't want to be there. I agree with you both of you 100%.
2: remember um, just, Paul Lambert, Nathan Jones, Gary Rowett. When we went through that patch, systems kept changing. And it didn't work. Michael O'Neill has come in. It's changed the system in a drastic way. We never thought probably we'd go to a five-back or even a three-back, depending on how you want to see it. And it worked for when we have the players. That's why he's changing the system up to the players so it can suit what we've got at the moment.
1: Yeah, he just hasn't got the backup team to, to do that. So um, I think, as you said, we can't help it. We are where we are. Let's hope we can get through it. Um, and let's move uh swiftly on. So, uh, we mentioned about you know loans, and there's a few youngsters coming back, which I'm sure Dan will uh discuss. Uh, he likes to keep really quite close to the, to the young players um who are coming back for us. So, uh, let's start off with uh, with obviously Blondie. Uh, so our young goalkeeper's obviously been out on loan. Um, and if I'm not mis- obviously mistaken, Dan, I think he's been recalled by Stoke, which sounds like it's a Uh, a decision more than anything. He's obviously not getting much game time uh, where he's been. And um, I think it's not kind of worked out. And um, obviously he's being kind of recalled now. So do you think that's to play in the under 23s? Do you think we'll loan him back out again or come next season? Is he one of them where it's just, it's not worked and he's kind of surplus to requirements, do you think?
0: I think um, he's, We've probably recalled him as he's not been getting the game time. I think he's only played three games, conceded 12 goals. But um, <laughs> they are all been cup games. There's quite a couple of EFL trophy games and a, a league cup game. So he's not, I mean, on the, on the grounds of it, it sounds terrible, and not it, 12 conceded yeah. three games? Um, but I do actually, I uh, spoke to somebody from, because he have been unloaded cruelly. spoke to somebody from their um, supporters trust, so I've actually got a bit of audio here, uh, just sort of explaining how he's been getting on there and how they sort of how they feel about the loan spell and you know how it's ended. And so here that is.
3: Hi, it's Sam from the Cory Town Sports Alliance. Just to give you a rundown on Blondie's time at the club over the course of this season so far. So Blondie's a bit unfortunate, really, because he's sec- been second choice to our Player of the Year for the last three years in Glen Morris. so hasn't really had much game time. But he's played three competitive games, one of those in the League Cup against Gideon, which was a barnstorm of a game that went to penalties. Um, his distribution wasn't too great, to be honest with you, in that game. Um, and then in the subsequent two Football League trophy games, we were hammered, to be honest. So we got absolutely battered. Um, I wouldn't say he was a fault for the goals, um, but I also wouldn't say he was pushing Glenn too much to take over the gloves in the goal, um, in the League Two games. So, um, Blondie off the pitch there was a great character, some great social media content, um, that he produced, and in the interviews he did, he seemed to be a great guy. So, um, I think he needs to go out and learn again, to be honest with maybe to another League Two club, maybe a conference club, and get some more game time. But definitely, he's got his young, and he's got the potential, but um, yeah, he didn't really have much to do at Crawley, and when he did, he didn't really stand out.
0: Thank you very much for that. um yeah, it just seems that Blondie was sort of yeah stuck behind the stuck behind a very established and uh, you know a very established goalkeeper there that he was gonna you know take some doing to to get him get in front of there so he's not had a great time of it um but it sounds like you know the twelve goals in three games on paper sounds terrible, but from what he said there, you know at least none of them were sort of throwing him in his own nets and and really his fault so yeah, I mean it's. Uh, I think we'll get him out on loan again get him some good experience somewhere it's, it's nice that obviously he's settled really and the fans have taken to him he's obviously loved his time there did see a sort of an Instagram post he put out about uh, you know what a great time he had and what a special place he felt the club was at Crawley um, so that sort of ties in there with, with what the gentleman was saying there about the um, you know how the fans feel about him as a person as well So, yeah, hopefully, I think maybe get him a National League loan so we can get him some sort of, you know, more guarantee of games, maybe, between now and the end of the season.
1: I suppose at that age as well, it's not all about the playing time, is it? going out and being in a different environment surrounded by different types of players and different you know not having the luxury of just stokes trading ground all the time he's he's having to rough it a little bit you know i think he's he's just seen more of real football i guess so that's the one thing that he would never have got if he would have stayed around the under 23s
0: yeah exactly it's com- t- competitive football and also he's you know he's warming the keeper up here you know, he's number two keeper so he's out there he's on the bench every week he's in and around a match day experience you know he's out there he's, he's got to warm that the number one up he's got to be on, on you know on his toes ready to come on if needed so he gets to take in you know the the, the match day experience and learn from that without ste- stepping foot on the pitch as well and i mean yeah i'm, I'm sure bondi has been in the cameroon national side already so he he can't be he can't be that bad a goalkeeper, can he? no to be considered like you know one of the top three or four goals at goalkeepers in Cameroon at, at eighteen years old. At this as he was at the time.
1: No, no. Let's let's see how he goes. I mean, we haven't exactly got many great young goalkeepers coming through, so I think we could could do with it. I know we've got Fielding and Bonham, but I mean. Whether they'll even be here next season is as, as another thing. And then all of a sudden, we're left with um, an aging Davis and hopefully a, a fit Joe Bersick. So I think we could do with another decent, competent number three. So hopefully, Blondie can, can work his way through.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think there is some decent keepers going through. I think Nathan mm-hmm. Broom, um, yeah. he's a good goalkeeper. And yeah, I think uh, obviously, that, the ladder was on loan at um, Hanley Tower, and we Tommy Simkin. but... I think they're a little bit younger aren't they there's just a couple of years younger which you know ideally you want to be getting those players out on the loan so if we can get Blondie some experience uh, maybe the next 12 you know six six months now maybe next season as well keep another experience number three around and then uh, go from there I maybe mean, you know once he's got a bit of you know 50 60 games under his belt over the next 18 months then he can come back and probably be pushing Joe basic then maybe. Yeah, obviously, we have have got some more um, loaning, obviously. You know, this busy time, January loans ending, loans being renewed, uh, people being recalled. Uh, So, Will Goodwin, he's one of two Stoke players who've been out at Hartlepool. He's now been recalled uh, from his spell at Hartlepool. So, he uh, played 15 games, scored two goals and two assists. Now, obviously, he joined Stoke. He's a Stoke City supporter. He was playing at Chester, and obviously, we signed him from Chester last January. Um, He was in and around the under-23 squad the second half of last season. Got himself a loan uh, loan deal to Hartlepool for this season in League Two. Scored the winner on his debut, which is always going to go down well. But obviously, only managed the one more goal after that. Uh, He's been out of the side more than in, I'd say, in the last sort of couple of months, two three months. And uh, yeah, Stoke have obviously to come to think, was it going to be renewed? I think both parties decided. It's probably for the best uh, that he returns to Stoke. So obviously we'll be looking to get him another low move, I suppose, and yes, uh, some more experience. Again, he might be another one getting down to national league level. I think he's still—he's um, only nineteen as well, still. So yeah, getting maybe getting down to national league where he can have a bit more success, build his confidence up for another low move next year.
1: Yeah, I'm uh, failing that, mate, um, he can always go and be another—you uh, know—mascot again. Uh, for the club, he's yeah, like he was, yes, uh, he was, he? he was previously a child mascot. So in the very worst case, mate, you can always run out with uh, the players at the weekend.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, obviously, I said as well, he was one of two players at Hartlepool. So the other one is Eddie Jones. Now, obviously, he's a Welsh under-21 international. And uh, he's he's only played six games for Hartlepool. But they have had a change of manager recently. And obviously, although he's a natural left-back, um, he had to actually fill in this midweek in, in um, at right back because they've had that many injuries. And the manager there has said that although he's only used him quite sparingly, like say only six appearances, he actually wants to keep him he wants to keep him there. Um so I know he's been out by the time this pod comes out, we should have a decision on that because he did say that he, on the Thursday this week he's down back at Stoke. He's having meetings with all the hierarchy at Stoke to decide what to do, you know, whether he goes back to Hartlepool, whether we recall him, uh, whether we send him out somewhere else. Um, and then obviously the, the Hartlepool management have said that you know they'll hear Thursday evening, like, you know, what, what the plans are. Um so yeah, they obviously were keen to keep him. They said he's he played really well out of possession, showed great maturity, uh, had a little wobble but brought up in the second half for ten minutes but brought himself back out of it um, and was really solid and I think they won the game one nil. Um so yeah so he's obviously impressing there. And I think he said like you know again sort of it with with Blondie there he's the guy at left back. I know when we spoke to the Hartlepool supporter didn't we earlier this season and we had a bit of audio off them, he said their left back is again a well established player member of the team, you know, been there for many seasons, player of the year, etc. Now again, he's, he's probably, you know, maybe he's don't need to look at where they're sending these players. <laughs> <laughs> to You know, going to send them to clubs where they're going to... Maybe, maybe that's the point, though. Maybe they've got to go and they've got to... They aren't just handed a place in the side. You've got to, you know, remove a, an established player and really, really push and take the chance. Um, but, yeah, obviously, the fact he wants him back is positive. And, obviously, if he wants him there, it is a new manager. He's only been there a few weeks. So, uh, yeah, I, I think if it was me, I'd be... I'd be happy for him to go there if the management, they've shown that they don't just want him for the sake of it because they've sent Goodwin back. So yeah, I'd I'd like Jones stay the rest of the season there. I mean that that that's the uh, youngsters loan news. I mean obviously we have had one loan departure, haven't we? They're sort of Leo Ostergaard. You now Leo played fifteen games, scored the one goal away at Swansea, But the uh, another iconic celebration from that. day, one to running over to the fans and that so. Yeah, he's gone back to uh, Brighton, but only for about an hour because <laughs> he's now at he's now at Genoa. Uh, he seems to have grown some hair on the flight over. And yeah, so he um, good luck to the lad. I say, you know, obviously he's, he was a fan's favourite. I think as much for his passion um, as, as as much as his ability. Um, but yeah, but good luck to him. I don't think he did anything wrong when he was here. It, it's just probably run its course.
1: Yeah, I think we like I said like we said earlier, it's just it's just one of them things and um maybe it'll just work out for all parties. It didn't work out. That's how loans go sometimes, isn't it? But um it's a shame. The bits that we did see, the good parts of, of Leo we saw, um, you know, I know we had as as we said, we had the audio at the start of the season where the Coventry fans were raving about him and we just didn't quite get to see enough of that. But um never mind. We can uh, we can wish him the best and, and move on, obviously.
0: Yeah. Uh, talking and moving on, we had uh, the under-23 game today. Should have been playing at home to Fulham. It was called off, which uh, worried me slightly. I thought, we've, we've, we had the return of COVID and all that? But uh, no, it's just been rearranged for Monday the 10th at 2pm.
1: Until uh, so COVID rules was out.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> so anybody who was looking to go to that game, uh, yeah, it's now, it's now on Monday the 10th at 2pm kickoff. Uh, but yeah, other news as well, Tom Edwards has picked up an injury this week, so again he was another player we were maybe looking to see in, in the game against Preston, and then he was quickly ruled out with an injury that's going to keep him out for six to eight weeks apparently, a uh, knee injury. Um, so yeah, and then uh, to follow that up we were linked with a Linfield defender, Trey Uh So Sunderland were closing in on this deal, and there was a few other clubs who'd been linked with him, and it was said that you know Stoke were 19 year old right back and uh, Stoke were sort of you know looking to hijack the deal late on but he's he uh, signed for Sundorn last night so we we weren't hijacking it in time apparently
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah he's, it's he's, it's, uh, one of, it's one of them we we I, mean, I must admit though mate we, we were talking about Tom Edwards and, and Andy um you know we we mentioned Tom Edwards didn't we uh, i think during the the kind of week and i think he would have been perfect for for how we're kind of looking to play um i think that that i think again andy we, we discussed about you know his his style of play and um you know the fact that his defensive capabilities weren't great but um obviously going forward i don't think we really ever particularly questioned it so it's a bit of a, a bit of a, a loss really isn't it i know mean, we didn't really get to see him but i think it's a big loss not having him as, as an option
2: yeah, well, obviously he's young, he's still going to be um, learning how to use his defensive as good as he uses his offensive play. When he was at um, New York, he did play across the back three, including a defensive midfielder role as well as a right midfielder role, so he's 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 very versatile of a player. He can play, I'd say, defensive midfield and on the right side of midfield if, he, if needed, and he can also play anywhere across the back, back four, back five, back three, however you want to have the defence, he's very, very versatile. And from what I saw of him, of highlights, he played very, very well. He was only not in the squad one game while he was there, and the other two that he wasn't in was because of quarantine when he went over. Otherwise, he's played, I'd say, 90% of games he's been there. Scoring, he didn't score, he got two assists, which is good as well.
1: Oh, well, is it two months he's out for, Dan? Is it two months? Yeah, so, yeah, six to eight weeks. Uh... Great. Yeah, you know, we we that's how we don't do short-term injuries, do we? <laughs> it's got to be two or three months. You're not allowed to get injured unless you do that.
0: It's not a proper injury. You're going no. to do something do correctly.
1: Well, I was going to say right. So, is I don't want to be controversial, but in terms of our injuries, obviously we know the Powell one was just a freak out incident. You, you can't do anything about it. Um. But when we're talking about you know Sawyer's and we're talking about Edwards and and various other players where they get injured without actually kicking a football, in terms of you know Saturday Saturday match or whatever it may be, are we now in this in the situation where we've got to start questioning how our training or our I don't know our recovery the way where we deal with things? We're having so many injuries that aren't even really match related. It's it's getting. It does make you question, it's making me question why, we, why do we keep getting them? We can't be unlucky like this season after season, surely.
0: Well, I think the three, obviously we've had five main injuries, haven't we? The, um, obviously the Nick Powell you mentioned remains Sawyer's. Now Powell, like I say, was a freak injury. Broke, you know, he's just made a tackle and someone took a swipe at the ball, missed, kicked his leg and it broke yeah <laughs> just that's just freak injury um obviously remains Sawyers. that's like I say that's a, a muscle injury so you yeah, know you can put that maybe down to out the, the workload that they've been asked to do and that. and then, can you relate that back to training but the other three bersick thompson Sutar, were all actually injured on international duty
1: obviously so it's the internationals then
0: Yeah, because obviously Bursick got injured in the under-21s in the warm-up. Sutar got injured in the the second half of an Australia international in a qualifier. And then uh, Jordan Thompson, which I think he was injured in training with the Northern Isles, but I don't think he was injured in a match. I think he just came back, um, obviously picked up an injury on international duty, and then when he got back to Stoke, it was found out to be quite bad. as I can remember.
1: Um, we wonder we... why I don't like international football, mate. <laughs> I said this to you earlier on in, in the in the season, that I really enjoyed the Euros, but my God, do I hate international football. Um, I couldn't care less about Australia. I couldn't care less about England half the time. Um, I care about Stoke City and day-to-day. And the thought that our season, like I said to you, when Suitor was one of the first early earlier ones to go out, I said, I hope this doesn't start to derail our season. And it's done exactly that and it's just so frustrating that Stoke City are suffering because of international bloody football it is just it really pees me off oh um, well, yeah i but- mean
0: i mean you've got i mean suuter bersick and thompson all left the side at the same time <laughs> so it's not as if they even got i mean and, and nick powell's injury came like two games before that so it's not even as if we had um we had some sort of like staggered you know where we could Bring you know, one one injury, a couple of weeks later you get another injury, two, three weeks later you get another injury. They all happened all at once. So half you know, half your side's been ripped out, the spine of your side's gone. It ain't like the click of a finger, really, in in terms of our, our games.
1: I've just I've, I've had enough of it, mate. And they wanna have internationals right, but, but, but every my, two years. But Michael O'Neill out, you know. Yeah, <laughs> well that's, that's into, it, mate. Yeah. <laughs> I think if, if you have international football every two years, you've got to increase the size of the squads. Instead of 25, you have to make it 30, because you, you need players to back you up. I'd love to know how many injuries across the entire football league are down to international duty. I bet there's tons.
0: Well, I think if they have, if they have the World Cup every two years, they're going to can off the Euros, aren't they? That's
1: oh, what a shame.
2: I think they put the Euros in between the World Cup if they were going to do it like that and then you would need a massive squad size.
0: So, yeah, so players, so international players only get one summer off every four years.
2: Might give me a chance to actually get into a team at that point.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we'll all be on the bench. Bloody hell.
2: I wouldn't <laughs> mind being in the reserves, to be fair.
1: I mean, actually, just sorry, kind of I'll going back... What, on, go carry on, carry on.
0: I was going to say what we can do is obviously, as it is January... And I've just given, you know, just gone through a load of transfer news there, and obviously we have got injuries, so we're going to need cover and stuff. Uh, you know, what what do you guys do in your dream January? Well, obviously, not your, your realistic dream January window. What what can you see us doing this month? You know, who's coming in? Who's what what position? If you haven't got any names, what position should we be looking at?
1: Anyone you um, can see
2: leaving?
1: I tell you what, Andy, I'll I'll let you go first, mate, so I can just delay things and try and think.
2: I'm thinking one. if we can't spend the money, you need to look at free agent market and within players that we can afford with the wages. There are quite a few good players in the free agents market, but we wouldn't be able to afford their wage brackets, such as Alexandre Pato and Hatton ben for Those players who have always been sort of at the top level, but most of them are prone. And with if the club doesn't want to spend the money, or we, obviously we've got the... We've heard of financial fair play with how our club is. I can't remember what the last figure they gave out was, but it didn't look the nicest. I can't really see us doing too much other than recalling players or moving players up from the 23s. You need to look, I think, at getting some solidarity in the midfield. And that's all I can really see. It's the midfield which I think mainly lets us down.
1: Yeah, we can, we can cope in defence. I mean, I know we're on about Suter, and either way, it'll be a pre-contract, so we're not even going to see him this season. But I totally agree with you, mate. I think midfield needs to be worked on at the same time. I, I mean, it's hard because I want to say, oh, we know we'll have this player and this player, but we quite clearly can't sign anybody. So I, I, th- I think, as Dan, you'd, you used the words kind of dream window, if you like, but... Um, I think dream window would be uh on loan up front because we clearly haven't solved that issue of scoring goals, despite the fact we've got five uh, strikers at the minute. Um, midfield, we need another Nick Powell. I mentioned this the other week. We absolutely need another Nick Powell. Uh, when he goes, everything collapses in that midfield. You have to move around two or three players and then you still don't fill the gap. So um, 100% we need that i'm not overly bothered about defense i think if we can sort out i don't know could we get a lone midfielder I mean, if again if we've let ostergaard go he must have been on a decent whack not crazy but he will be on probably in excess of 20 grand a week um so even if we're covering 50 percent of them wages surely we can pick up a young attacking midfielder um you know on 10 grand a week or something like that Just. I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm I'm just spitballing, but there's got to be some movement now. Leo's gone back at the very least, so that's that's mine, mate. Get Dilap um, and get a, a, an attacking midfielder, and we might be able to save this season. If we don't, the season's gone.
2: Well, I sent that um, five-step plan that apparently Stoke City have got. Didn't I? Did you it guys likes. give that? Did you give that a read? Um, it was, I, find a I midfield was balance. That which obviously we've all said. Home delivery, so getting the points at home, which we've said quite a lot. Nail an influential loan. So we've had quite a lot of good loan players that we could mention. Reece Norris and Davis, Jack Clark. I thought um, when Angus Gunn was here in goal for the loan, he had, he was all right. Uh, Coke's more out of a summer signing. So like you've said, a pre-contract agreement with John Sutton might be a good idea. And the final one they put is wrap Nick Powell in cotton wool.
1: Christ. <laughs> just turn him into one of the um, all the Michelin men. Wrap him up yeah. in one of them suits.
0: I wonder if Santa delivered the bubble wrap that we put <laughs> on the Christmas list.
2: <laughs> well, it's also the fact that he's, he's a brilliant player. We know that. But he's only made 30 appearances in 2021. And in those 30 appearances he's got 17 goals. So when he's out the side our goal threat he's midfield.
1: gone evaporates on it yeah what a return that is though 30 odd game, mid- you score 17 goals that's just that's silly
2: i feel I mean, like we get most of our goals from the midfield i remember when sam lucas was the top scorer 11 goals it's the yeah. strikers who should be doing it
1: god he was good that season wasn't he oh, um god. what happened so yeah what <sighs> happened exactly mate um so Dan, I think that pretty much wraps up the the news. A bit of a, a long news section this week, but um, I think that pretty I mean, much wraps everything up, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, I, I need. I, I want to give you my my transfer. Window, oh, no, yeah. mate, we're, we're not <laughs>
1: interested in what you've got to say. I'm leaving him out, <laughs> Danu, um, you've been replaced. <laughs> I think
0: I think he's going to be looking for a left sided centre half. Just for that balance, sort of. I think he's maybe put Morgan Fox there. James Chester's gone back to him, so he obviously you know, sort of feels that. Fox experiments not working in O'Neill's eyes so I think that will be high on O'Neill's agenda I think that's why Ostergaard's gone Um we need to get a few youngsters out on loan as many as we can get some experience the under 23 games and the Cups and that just seem to be with the, everything that's going on with Covid they just seems to be a bit more irrelevant at the minute like they're sort of getting moved and they're getting postponed and you know, it wouldn't surprise me if the season's curtailed with them, You know, with games to spare, and they just sort of knock it on the head. So I think if we can get as many of these under-23 players out on loan, getting valuable experience, that'll be great. Um, I'd import it. When his loan's up in a few weeks, I'd actually bring him back. We've only got three midfielders at the minute, as it is. I think if he was here at the club, he'd be putting pressure on this midfield at the minute, the way they're playing. And I think that's what they maybe need is somebody, a young player, uh, snapping at the heels. And I mean, I, I know there is, we've been linked with Stuart McKinstry, aren't we? 19-year-old Scotland um, player from Leeds uh, with a loan deal. I know there's a few clubs after him, but we are one. Uh, he seems to be a winger, so it's whether you know we might go in for him. Uh, I liked your suggestion there, Mike, as well of Liam Dallap. I know obviously not all these players are going to be coming in, but so, yeah, if we yeah, I think left-sided defender and then, like I say, bring Porter into the squad. We can get uh, McKinstry. Maybe he can do the same thing as Jack Clark sort of did the second half of last season, especially like towards the end. Just before he picked up that injury, he was starting to settle in, wasn't he? So, be mm. good. But, um, you, but why I've sort of made, wanted to sort of bring in here is I was listening to you say that. We need another Nick Powell. We need midfield balance. We need somebody who's available. And Andy was saying, you know, there's free agents, big name free agents. This player, he's not exactly endeared himself to Stoke fans over the
1: years. I know years. you're going to say, you're going to say Chat Wiltshire, aren't you? I am. He's oh, kept, he sake. keeps
2: telling everybody he's fit. What he did say he was fit to play except for Tottenham on one yeah. of his socials. And that paddy pie I, 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 <laughs> I think we're at the point where Jack Wilsham might have to be a player. We're bringing as much injury prone as he is, more injury prone than Nick Powell and the squad combined. When he's fit, he is an. at... He played for Bournemouth for a bit, didn't
0: he? Yeah. And, and, you know, think about the the goals he scored for England, let alone
2: Arsenal. He scored and some brilliant goals. Do you
1: think he would ever touch Stoke with a barge pole there, mate, for, just purely for the Arsenal link?
2: He's not that I think he's
1: out... better than us, he's not.
2: He's been out
0: of contract for what ages? Seven, eight months now. He so probably, what's he been
1: doing for seven or eight months
0: then? He's Where's, been tra- he's he, been training and he was training with uh, he, training with a couple of clubs in Italy and then he ended up he's training with he's training with Arsenal, isn't he? Yeah. yeah, he's training oh, with right. Arsenal at the minute. Um but like I say, he's keeping himself fit. He says he's he's ready to go, he's just looking for the right move. He wants to play football. Now, I'm not. I'm not I'm not being funny, but if have struck a deal with him. I'm sure he could. Uh, I'm sure he'd get a game in that
2: midfield. Yeah. I know. I mentioned Hatton Ben Arthur. His wage isn't as high as I thought. It's around six thousand a week, which is high for the squad, but if you look at some of the players that are in that free agents market, it's probably budget compared. I was
1: going to say six grand a week's probably probably half of our average right now. So yeah. Wouldn't be that bad. Again, it just it the, the thing with these. Out of, out, yeah, it, it's a thing with these out, out of uh, contract people. I mean, is, is there a reason they haven't been snapped up? The answer is probably yes. Whether yeah, it be attitude, whether it be fitness, injury prone,s or what. But I don't know. Beggars can't be choosers, which is which is what we are. And I, I mean, I'll, I'll repeat it again. If we don't do something in January, the season's over. We ain't. We aren't even close right now to having a playoff team. And heaven forbid we somehow snuck it because we would get demolished next season. I think we'd be the next
2: Derby if we are in the Prem.
1: Oh, mate, I can only imagine.
0: So if that's the case, right, and going back again to the Michael O'Neill stuff, if that's the case that this squad, if it got promoted, would get absolutely demolished, should we really be expecting him to be anywhere near the top six? Or should we say, you know what, with the team you've got available right now, mid table is a good finish or you know, or at least is is not underachieving
1: with the side he's got. This is exactly what I'm saying, mate. If we don't make them sign ins, that is exactly what we can expect. And no one really should complain. They will, but nobody will should complain if we can't sign anyone else. And we have to accept it. I mean, I'm already starting to accept it now, mate. I know we're only coming into Jan. But the manager's already come out in his post-match interviews and said, "We're not effectively, we're not going to sign anybody." So he's—I think well, hes We've got no
0: chief, chief executive to do it. His goals are well, leaving into sometime this month. He's
1: uh, going to he do is, the mate. contract
0: negotiations.
1: He's leaving uh, a week on Tuesday, I think, 18th. We've well, we got
0: so, some on. signings then before that. Then. If we're getting <laughs> any, <anything.
1: laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, never he's mind. Just going to do Anyway, let's let us let us move on uh, because we we'll be here for about an hour, a two-hour part and no one wants to listen to youth for two hours, Dan. Uh, I mean I'm that's that's the best one over two
0: days
1: ago. <laughs> that's only because you don't st- shut up talking. Uh, <laughs> I'm only joking. So yeah. Anyway, I think we've we've all agreed on on the signing side of things. Uh, let's look ahead to uh, Lake Nauri this weekend. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so head-to-head, uh, Orient, I mean, obviously now head-to-head section, I normally do, can't really kind of call that because it's not like we play them very often. But um, I had a look at Orient's kind of run to to the third round of the Cup anyway. Um, they had a, a quite basic kind of absolute 1-0 uh, win uh, to kind of kick things off in round one. Uh, round two, they actually beat Tramia 4-0 uh, to get to this round of the Cup. So uh, a pretty comprehensive win. I know they recently lost their uh, one nil, so I'm not sure if that was just a freak result or or what. But uh, they currently sit tenth in League Two. They lost the last two matches, but prior to that, um, kind of a little bit, um, I wouldn't say shaky, but uh, a bit typical of any mid-table League Two club. You win some, you lose some. Uh, strange, it sounds a bit like Stoke. That. Um, so uh, yeah. So again, I've been connected uh, this week with a number of of people from an Orient fans group, um, and you know, there's an, it's been quite interesting, you know, guys, because Unfortunately, I know both of you haven't actually been involved in this, but it brings, it's funny, you look through the chat and you look at what they've been talking about, and it's the same stuff that we talk about as, as football fans of Stoke. You know, the academy, uh, the players in, the players out, the number of times they don't like their director, um, you know, um, just literally the same old topics. And I think sometimes when we're, you know, we Stokeys, and they're probably the same on their side, You sit there, um, you think, oh, you know, stoke this, stoke that, stoke a special. We're nothing different in terms of supporters than any other club. We all think we should be top of the league. We all think we should sign Messi and Ronaldo. And I think what has been interesting in this group is to just make me realise that without your red-tinted glasses on, you know, we're just another club with another set of different issues I think that's that's pretty much what it was but um you know I, I've asked them about a, a couple of things and obviously Kenny Jacket is their manager he took over um earlier in the season I think it was kind of like May time um and uh, you know they they're kind of behind him I think the 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 majority of them do do like him I think there should be a few more points ahead from speaking to them I think they were quite um aggrieved that they didn't manage to pick up at least another four to six more points um funny enough they they all blamed the Port Vale game uh for for their demise in in recent times um and you know i I basically said to them you know they're asking about the parking i thought this was quite funny so they basically asked where they could park now anyone who's parked at that stadium knows that you don't get off um very quickly and i don't know if dan dan where do you park mate you you park quite local don't you
0: I park in Heron Cross and walk down, walk down the bank. Okay. Either that, or, Well, I used to park on the car parks around the ground until I turned up and they told me that I had to pre-book. And when I asked, I said, oh, I didn't know that. It never happened before. Uh, so yeah, how, how do I pre-book? So I know for next time. Anyway, I don't know.
1: <laughs> so, Helpful.
0: So, yeah, so at that point, I thought, okay, I'll just
1: Park somewhere else from now on <laughs> yeah yeah it's one of them i don't know if the contractors or whatever they are but um i just just so you know i did advise uh the orient fans to to basically park in burslem um and then walk the rest of the way because uh, they'll actually get back to their cars and get get off the car park a bit quicker um if they just work walk to burslem so um yeah uh, unfortunately i think i think what was quite interesting as well mate they actually are not overly confident against us this weekend. And I kind of just said to the whole lot that, Luke, you know, we're stoke. We don't do well in recent times against lower league opposition. We always make it harder than it bloody needs to be. Um, so, yeah, I think there's, um, I think there should be a bit more confidence, especially with our uh, our form at home and everything else that we've got there. But um, there was a, a chap called Frank Johnson who sent me a, a bit of a, a memory lane type thing. So if just bear with me while I read this out, because I think, uh, maybe for yourself you know dan uh, you know you're about 50 so um you know again i'll, I'll read this out you might remember this um so uh, so of course younger stoke supporters would not have been born at the time but i remember a rather exciting time involving stoke way back in the early 60s so i mean dan you, you you remember this one um i th- <laughs> uh, sorry dan i think my <laughs> team oriented already won promotion to the old division one, although the O's all lasted one season. If I remember, Stoke were generally an average second division team until their shrewd manager, a certain Tony Waddington, decided on a great idea. Although it was a big gamble to start signing all the old players and bring them together as a team, his first signing was former Stoke legend. Can you remember? Who do you think? First signing. First signing. Come on, Mr Stato, you know this. Yeah. He was 47. That gives it away. Sir Stanley Matthews. Sir Stanley Matthews at the ripe old age of 47. Um, he was followed by other great players like Jimmy McIlroy, uh, Dennis Violet, Peter Dobin, etc. Um, and but, it was like a, was <laughs> like a dad's army. Uh, needless to say, uh, they won promotion to the top flight that season. And the most surprising thing was they hardly had any injuries in the process, which is quite amusing considering where we find ourselves today. So, yeah. Um, Thank To, to Frank, uh, obviously the O's supporter for, for sending that over, it's a nice trip down memory lane. Um, and, and Dan, you, you remember those times, like I said, quite well, don't you,
0: mate? I don't quite remember, I don't quite remember those times.
1: <laughs> you I must have sounded a 47 year old playing out.
0: <laughs> well, I have seen um Stoke actually play Leighton Orient, surprise, surprise. And um, so, yeah, I was there, um, at Leighton Orient 2009. And we played them in the League Cup. Uh, now it was very drab, nil nil. Me and my brother went, um, yeah, drove all the way down there, sat there, feet up on the seat in front because that's how thrilling the game was. <laughs> it was, it was nil nil, and there we go. We went into extra time, extra time, and just right at the start of extra time, Dave Kitson controls the ball, bounces, and he hooks the ball over his shoulder straight in the top corner from about 35 yards. Absolutely amazing goal. And I was thinking to myself, why couldn't you have done that five minutes earlier? We could be on the way home
1: now. But <laughs> David
0: Kitson, Jesus. Yes, David Kitson, as he liked to be called, with one of his rare Stoke goals. But I was one of the very few in that ground to uh, to see it. What did strike me, and I still remember to this day, is there's a load of flats in the corner of that ground. And uh, you can you Basically, can see everything across the just look out over the pitch like the balconies do. So, I just wonder whether that puts the rent up for them flats or actually decreases it. So, you'd have to ask the Lake Norian fans on that one, wouldn't you? Um, but yes, we were there. Do we give? Do you want me t- tell you? Can you guess who was in the team that
1: day? Oh, Christ. I, I to, won't even tell me. read it out. Not a clue.
0: <laughs> so, we had to Steve Simmonson in goal.
1: Simo, yeah,
0: and then we had Leon Court, Richard Cresswell Carl Dickinson, Andy Fay, David Kitson, Danny Pugh, Ryan Shotten, Tom Saws. You'll wait for this one, Ibrahima Sonko.
1: <laughs> All right, okay,
0: Michael Tong, and then obviously we brought on Um, Andy Dave, Andrew Davis, Andy Griffin, and Lewis Malt came on as subs as well. So yes, those are a few blasts from the past in that team. There's no Joe Allen or Sam Clucas for you this week In the last time we played them.
1: And how many of them would make it into the uh, squad at the weekend?
0: I don't know who played midfield. Let me have a look.
1: <laughs> Michael Tong, maybe?
0: Yeah, Michael Tong and Danny Pugh can play midfield. Huh, Andy, okay. Andy Faye can do the sitting or hooking role.
1: Jeez, I, I, I must admit, let's not go down that route. But um... <laughs> I'm only joking.
0: But yeah, that, I mean, <laughs> do, do we think? That was that was a Premier League. They were, we were a Premier League team. We were in the second season of the Premier League there as well. Jesus. And all those players were still on the books. But yeah, we did have quite a big squad, don't we? So I suppose a few of them probably didn't even uh, make the 25-man squad when it was announced. Like Michael Tong and people
1: called Dickinson. I think we went out on loan. Yeah, we signed a, a lot of players and I mean, we overpaid for Tong and co, didn't we? And I remember that. Um, yeah, so I'd say we're just looking ahead to that game then. So, um, Andy, what we're we thinking on team selection, score prediction, all that fun stuff, mate? I mean, I would imagine there's not an awful lot of changes we can realistically realistically make, mate, but yes. uh, what, what have you gone for?
2: There's not many changes you can really make in the midfield. I've kept Klukas in there. I've got Allen in there. Oakley Booth is fit. I feel like you should have a run out. And if Adam Porter's back from loan, start him. But I feel like it's going to be the same midfielder we've had, which is Klukas, Allen and Varancic. There's not really anyone else, like I've said, we can have there. I want to play Jack Bonham. Save Adam Davies for, obviously, the midweek game rescheduled Barnsley match. Um, same again, not really many people who can have a defence. I've got with Chester and Bart. Considering I feel like Wilmot played very well, I want to rest him a bit, have Dowerty at left-back, Dehaney at right-back. I've kept the 4-3-3 and I've gone with Int on the left wing. I want to start right Phillips, see what he can do. So I'll put him on the right and then Jacob Brown up top and save Campbell, maybe to bring him on the second half.
1: Mm. OK, Dan, what would you do, mate? Uh,
0: me, I, I'd have Jack Bonham in goal. And I think I'd have Tommy Smith and Morgan Fox as your fullbacks. Yeah, But I'd actually give a, a debut to Lewis Macari. I'd, I'd put him alongside Danny Bart, who'd be, who'd be my captain. Um, yeah, I just think Macari, you know, we give him a run out. Let's have a look at him. Let's also let other clubs have a look at him. And, you know, maybe he might end up with a loan move. There's been quite a few times recently out there when we've, you know, when we've played... Um, a lower league club, for example, and then I mean you know, Shrewsbury, they took tyrese Campbell, didn't they? After we played them in the cup. Mm. Um, so that could be an option, you know. If we get McCari, you know, give McCari a run out, let's have a look at him. He's got the experience of Bart around him on one side and Tommy Smith on the other. Uh I think Sam, to me, Sam Lucas, Joe Allen are gonna have to play. Um if Adam Porter, not, we're not sure, are we, 100% on when Porter returns from his loans spell. If he is back in time and can play, I would play him instead of Klukas. If not, then obviously Klukas can play. And then you've got sort of, I'm, not, I'm undecided whether I put Tom Ince in the midfield as well, or Oakley Booth. Maybe maybe give Oakley Booth the start and then bring in Son when he tires a bit. Uh, but then I'm going to give uh, DiMaggio Wright Phillips a debut on one yeah. of the wings and Alfie Doughty a start on the other. I think you know, give him some game time. Um, he's going to be chomping at the bit, I'm sure. You know, he, he had a decent cameo appearance, um, uh, the other night and he? he had a got a, nearly, nearly scored against Preston and that. So give him some minutes, let him get some confidence up as well. And uh, Sam Surridge is going to lead the line for me. So I make that what one, two, three. Uh, yeah, five or six changes. You know, you're keeping some experienced players, especially in defence, and uh, you're spying you know, your midfield as well, Lucas and Allen. So, we you know, we shouldn't... Not as if we're going to leave ourselves too weak, in my opinion, there, but we're going to also give some opportunities to some younger players as well.
1: Yeah, mate, you're almost at the words that of mind. I thought I was going to go for I was going to say, the Dehaney gets a game. I would put Surridge and Brown up front, um, personally. Try and go for like a four-four-two in in some respects. Um, I've made a note here. You know, Tashan and Wright Phillips definitely need to get a run out. Uh, but I think Surridge needs to needs to find his feet somehow. Um then. So yeah, Surridge and Brown needs to do. it. We need a striker who knows where the bloody net is. Um, and of all players, he needs time. He needs to he needs to find his shooting boots. Um, to be honest, because again, he came on against Preston, didn't didn't really look up too much. She wasn't bad, but didn't really look up to much. So um, there's a lot of players out there that need some support, but yeah, midfield. Um, I don't really see how we can change very much, to, to be honest with you. Um, so I I mean, scoreline predictions. I'm going go to go 2 one to Stoke. I think we're going to make really hard work of it. And like I said, I don't think we should take it for granted at all right now. Um, Unless I've missed it, uh, what are your guys' uh, score predictions?
2: I've gone for the same. we have gone 2-1. If you remember when we played Fleetwood uh, in the League Cup, we made that quite a difficult game as well. And I think it's going to happen. And how we are in the FA Cup, this is a quick fact for you. We are winless in seven FA Cup games. One draw, six losses. So after being eliminated at this stage in each of the five last campaigns... So, right. so, that's, what, got, that's one now, fact you've got to think about. I can't even remember who. Obviously, we played last, Leicester, I think it was, last time. And that was a 4-0 loss. So. And also, Leighton Orient are looking to reach for the fourth round of the FA Cup for the first time since 2010-11. So, it's, oh, it's, it's right. one of them where Orient are obviously, probably, they've got the aim of round four. We've got the aim of obviously making it further than round four but we are winless in the last seven
0: <laughs>
2: so it's okay it's one of them where you can't take either team for granted so I've gone for two one I think we'll just nip it at the end like we always do
1: yeah and I suppose bar um I think bar the Peterborough game uh we haven't won at home since West Brom no I think
2: I, let, me um, have a, so, let me have a quick check here
1: yeah I'm pretty, su- pretty sure we haven't so I think that's not not great and, and while you're checking that um Dan Scoreline, mate. <laughs> Have you been a bit more positive than us? Or?
2: Last time was Peterborough.
1: There you go. Well, the last, I'm going to tell you something now.
2: The 9th of January,
0: two games that I can see we've played FA Cup games. We lost 4-0 to Leicester last season on the 9th of January. And on the 9th of January 1965, we beat Blackpool 4-1. Two goals from John Ritchie and two goals from Dennis Violet. I'm going to say we're going to repeat that. Stanley Matthews retired a few month, a few weeks after that game. Which, uh, you know, builds into mentioning Stanley Matthews earlier on in this pod as well. That's two mentions he's had. So, yeah, I'm going to say we're going to repeat that 4-1 victory. I don't And Sam Surridge, yes. Yeah, Sam Surridge is going to get a hat-trick. And Wright Phillips is going to get himself a debut goal.
1: Buddy, I'll check you out. Four, what, is that, I was gonna say, yeah, that must be the highest score line I think I've seen you give on this pod since it started.
2: Not only has Sam Surridge only found two goals this season, you think he's gonna more than double it in a game. He, he, he's got four <laughs> go, he's got four goals, four goals this season. He's got two in the league cup. He likes but yeah, he, did, he? <laughs> he, he likes He does games. like his cup games. But to be fair, the last cup game he did play was against Fleetwood as well. He likes his lower league opposition, <laughs> doesn't he? Exactly, I mean, okay. Mike, whose who's prediction are we
0: missing here? We've had yours, we've had Andy's, we've had mine.
1: Well, it can only be the one and only Mr. Graham McGarry, can't it?
0: Um, so we hear what, he want, what he's predicting?
1: Go on then, he can't be wrong again, can he?
0: <laughs> let's have a listen. Hi there, you Potter's podcast people. Hello there, it's Graeme McGarry back again after the international break. hope you enjoyed your little breather from your football. This is Graeme McGarry with that Potter's prediction. Let's hope we get it right this weekend. Stoke City 2, Hull City 0. Stoke 1, West Brom 0. Stoke are ready to win at home. 2-0 for the Potters.
1: Hello there, once again, all you potters,
0: predictors, can you get it right this weekend? It's been tough in the last few weeks, of course. Well, it'll be a much-changed side named by Michael O'Neill for this FA Cup tie against League Two side Lake Norwich, who'll be thinking they could pull off a shot. But I'm pretty sure that Stoke will look to have a good run in the FA Cup and they'll get back to winning ways. Pretty comfortable, but not a lot of goals. Stoke 2, Lake Norwich 0.
1: Graham, thank you very much as always, mate. Much appreciated. You were wrong yet again um, with your 2-2 prediction, although you were a lot quicker, uh, closer than my 1-0 uh, against Preston, so uh, we'll let you off, mate. But yeah, 2-0, we'll, we'll take it. Um, more positive than me and uh, Andy, but not quite as positive as, uh, as Dan, so... Um, hopefully you're right mate. so just before we kind of uh, finish up uh, I thought we'd best very take a very very quick look at the next few games we've got a very busy January um, you know again we've got another what one two three four five games this month yet so um, let's start we've got Barnsley away Hull away Fulham at home Coventry away Huddersfield away <laughs> that's our next five games um, oh Christ how many points do we see there, guys? Because ugh, I, I, don't, I really don't know. I can't, I can't give you a figure. I'm going to say less than five. And I really am disappointed there. But Barnsley, Hall, Fulham, Coventry and Huddersfield. Four out of the five are away from home. What are we thinking?
0: I, I, the, away, the away side of it, I actually think, isn't an issue. Because I think we're actually set up now to be better off away from home than we are at home. Uh, which isn't great for season ticket holders. <laughs> um, but it's good for those away fans, because an nice away victory is always the more sweeter. Um, but, yeah, I think we'll beat Barnsley. <sighs> um, yeah, what, Hull? Hull, Fulham? Probably going to be tough games. I think Hull have been in good form. I think they've got a bit of a on takeover on the, uh, on the way as well. So they're all sort of playing for the places. Um, who else have we uh, got after that? Possibly?
1: We have to got Coventry away after after Fulham. Of course, yes. Coventry game's coming, hasn't it? Um,
0: yeah, I mean, we're terrified of that game. To be honest,
1: <laughs> three <laughs> three games in six days, though, isn't it? I think that's the problem there. Yeah, I mean, well, we've got a small enough team as it is,
0: and, and to have Coventry at the end of that run as well, yeah, it's just not fair. Well. Why don't we beat that again, um. Yeah, I think, yeah, Coventry, we probably get a point there, maybe a point from Hull or Fulham. Two, that's five, and then we're going to round it off with a win at Suddersfield. So I'm going to say eight, eight from five, which will keep us nicely ahead of mid-table and just
2: outside the playoffs. I reckon.
1: Mm, okay. More positive than me, mate. So uh, that's that's fine. Uh, Andy, uh, what are you going for, mate?
2: I've gone even more positive than Dan. So I've gone for a win at Barnsley, considering how their form is at the moment. And we always appear to do well away at Barnsley, obviously. They're they're on a similar amount of points as Derby, and bearing in mind Derby had a 21-point deduction. (laughs) That's one thing to consider. Um, Next game after that is the Hull away, which I think we're going to win as well, considering we always do well against Hull. Earlier in the season, we played them, didn't we? And we won that game and we won. I remember, I always bring it up, but the 5-1 five, five against Hull before all this COVID pullover hit. Um, Fulham, I've gone for a loss there. I think that's that's pretty obvious. Three, no loss early in the season. Um, we don't seem to do well against Fulham as it is. And then we obviously we've got the Coventry game at the end of that. Is it three and six days or whatever? Yeah. Um, I think we're going to draw that Coventry on a similar run of form to how we are at the moment. And obviously, Coventry uh, had a game effective COVID as well. I don't know if that's been rescheduled yet or not, but if it has, they're going to be tired similar to how we are. And then I feel like we always do well away at Huddersfield. So I've gone for a win there. So I've gone 10 points out of 15.
1: <laughs> there's me talking sub 5 It'd be very interesting <laughs> to see wh- who's the closest on this, but oh man, you can see what, what they've done to me in recent times, can't you? Um, so yeah, okay, interesting. Yeah, we're going to keep an eye on that. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't be more positive. I, I'm not even going to rehash and say, oh, I'm going to go for this many points again. I th-
2: we're not going to get more than five, unfortunately.
0: He hasn't, oh. ground us. he hasn't ground us into the ground yet, have you, have Andy?
2: No. no, we do a lot Please. better away. I remember when we, when we were talking about QPR, we thought we were going to go there and, you know, they were going to run us off the park. We won.
1: OK, I think we need to have, start having forfeits as well. We're going to have to keep track of this. <laughs> um may, may start from next season, but we're going to have a table and uh, there's going to have to be a forfeit for for the loser, I think.
2: So you get some
1: yeah, Dan, that's that's on you, mate. It's so, all, all for you to do. But anyway... Um, forfeit. I think that's... The
2: forfeit
0: is you have to pick up the bill at the end of season meal that
1: we're all out for. Oh, I thought that was pot. Oh, OK. Fine. <laughs> yeah, OK. Yeah, fine. Oh, you, you were doing that anyway. Oh,
0: that's no, that's fine. All right. I heard that. Did you hear that, mate? Yeah, I heard that.
1: Yeah, yeah swines um anyway <laughs> right so uh that pretty much does it for this week thank you for anyone who's uh, stayed awake uh, while we've all been having a, a nice ramble uh we appreciate all the support um just as a reminder i mentioned it earlier on uh, again we're, we're going to be having the q a with A uh, with dicko um and ron uh, this weekend so you've got until saturday at 10 a.m uh, to get your questions over. So, once again, as a reminder, tweet us at every step along on Twitter. Use the hashtag AskDicko or AskRon. Um, or you can email us directly with your questions for either of them at every step along the way pod at gmail.com with your questions. So, um, it just leaves me to say uh, thank you to, to Dan. Thanks, Randy, for, uh, for obviously turning up, mate. Much appreciated. Nice new sign in. Uh, let's hope you don't let us down as much as have in recent times. Um, so, uh, yeah. Have a, a really nice few days, uh, and I'll catch you both next week.
0: This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.